Central. This is Tech Radio. All things computers, gadgets and web happening right now in Ireland. Hear us anytime on iTunes or download from techcentral.ie. Tech Central. Hi there, this is Dusty Rhodes and welcome to Tech Radio with all the latest in tech from around Ireland and across the world. Remember, tons of ways of getting our show. No matter how you got it today, you can also download direct from our website at techcentral.ie. You can use a smartphone podcast app, which I would use all the time. Uh, iTunes, we're on that as well. Or you can turn us on every Friday on DAB Digital Radio with RTE Radio 1 Extra. Joining me as always is Editor-in-Chief of Tech Central, Niall Kitson. And we have a busy new year. Next year is going to be... Our next week is going to be the Young Scientist Exhibition so we'll have loads of that and of course this week the uh, the focus of the tech world is in California for CES in Las Vegas and I think now we've been talking and covering CES for a number of years I think that it has changed a lot over the last five years would you agree or not agree? Um, okay right here's my position on it um, and this is based on following CES for, for about 10 years now when I look at sort of the breadth of things that are making um, the actual sort of best in show kind of awards things, I'm much more able to categorize the winners under sort of headings that we almost take for granted now. So I can see something and I can go, right, that's I- IoT. I can see something and go, OK, that's mobile. I see something and go, uh, OK, that's um home automation or sorry not even home automation anymore because that's that's under iot now or uh, i can look at something and see right that's automotive and all of those things have meaning now right i mean you you look at a concept car and you go "Eh, maybe you know 218 220 um that's yeah i could actually see that on the road whereas before the concept cars were just something you'd wheel out and you know it might have had itunes behind the wheel or some nonsense like that and you go oh yeah future of motoring very very elaborate um so I think from that respect, I think CES has probably gotten more consolidated, um, but maybe not in terms of the breadth of products, more our understanding of them and what they can do. So you think that CES is more focused, whereas actually I, I'm almost the opposite, whereas I think that it's, it's less focused. Because years ago when we started uh, talking about CES, you would have the big announcements from the big tech companies about what their new thing for 2017 is going to be or whatever sure. the year happened to be. And then you would look forward to being able to get your hands on this thing and it's going to be available for sale in four weeks. And it's like, wow, I'm, I'm kind of not getting that from CES anymore. What I'm seeing with uh, CES, something like what you say, there's lots of like, you know, wild, crazy things out there that I would not need and that are not available for sale anyway. Um, they're kind of cool but they're just kind of cool, you know? I suppose- yeah, well, there possibly is an element of that, all right. And I, that kind of speaks to the startup culture we have in technology now where you can have a small company come up with a a, a little niche product. And there, there are some very random ones on the floor in CES this week. Um, I think uh, we were looking at a Bluetooth hairbrush now, there you go. That that puts the finger on exactly what I mean. You know, a, a, a hairbrush that is able to detect 
hairs breaking in your head as you brush and uh, will email you a report after you've brushed your hair and vibrate if you're brushing your hair too hard. It's like, what? Is yeah, it just because yeah. I'm a man that I don't understand this or is that just ridiculous? Yeah, and another one that I saw are um, shoes designed for virtual reality rigs like the HTC Vive or the Oculus Rift and these shoes vibrate when you're walking over terrain. It's too much. You know, there was a bed as well that I saw and the bed has multiple sensors in it and can help you sleep and will monitor your body exactly what you're doing. And there was some good stuff uh, that I just kind of glanced across and it's more uh, kind of things that will monitor your body. And it's particularly for ladies who are trying to understand their bodies and when is the best time to get pregnant. And I kind of thought, well, there is a proper application of technology. Yeah, and it's it's not a new idea. I've seen an Irish company do it before. And oh, for the life of me, I can't remember the name of the company. But um, I, th- I think it was Ada. But um, anyway, uh, yep, so we've seen that. But we've also, uh, this year, there was a watch that can measure your insulin levels, which is, which is great for diabetics. Um, I also saw, I, I'm not sure if this was from the floor CES or, or just reported, is a personal radiation detector. <laughs> top of my list. It's in my top five. <laughs> I know, I know. But uh, I, you know, when I was boiling things down, actually, and one particularly nice gizmo, which I think will impress you as much as it impressed me. This is something that is there to replace a ceiling tile, right? So in an office or whatever, the same way you would have, you know, a tile replaced with an air conditioning vent. Um, you just replace a regular tile with this thing and it sits sits up there and it is actually a wireless charging point. So you can have your um, your phone resting on your table and it is actually charging to this point over your head. Okay, and that is pretty cool. That's uh, that. Well, uh, on the insane level on my my little scale, I, I saw one or two little uh, things that I thought were kind of cute. LG had a floating speaker. So it has a base with a magnet in it and then the speaker actually floats above that. And I kind of thought... What is the purpose of that? Like, is is there something to do with the sound that you get from the gap or is it just an aesthetic thing? That was exactly what I thought. Why bother? (laughs) Uh, The whole thing... Actually, a big problem with uh, speakers is how they are attached to the floors because if they are attached uh, uh, too strongly to the floor, a lot of the bass then will go through the floor... Uh, and there's all kinds of effects on the speaker and the sound. Whereas if it is floating in air, that is the ideal. But I mean, would you notice the differences? Probably what I was kind of thinking in the back of my head. Um, one thing that I thought was kind of cool. Actually, one thing that I thought was very, very cool, uh, was Lego. I mean, Lego at CES, I ask you. Um, but what they have done is they've come out with a kit where you can build your own Lego robot and it includes all the little server motors and all that kind of stuff. And you have to program it. So now you've got kids with an app on their laptop and they're able to like build the Lego around these motors and stuff like that. And then they have to program it to make it move. And I kind of went, that's teaching the kids a little bit of, you know, coding. They can see the results. It's something they can make in their hands and it makes it very real. I actually kind of thought, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, 
Yeah. Um, okay, so let's talk about some of the broader trends mm. that uh, usually feed into our, our discussion of um, CES. So, um, virtual reality, we may as well start with that. There were there were a couple of things that I thought were quite interesting. One of which is the uh, HTC Vive is opening up to third-party uh, accessories. So, you know, you will start to get things that your hand controller can clip into. Um, I think one of the things that I saw was a, was a rifle for playing first-person shooter games. I think that's kind of excellent. Mm. Um so that's one of the things that we'll start to see. Um, you were particularly impressed by sort of a, a cube version of virtual reality without glasses. Yes. Uh, essentially, this is, as you say, it's like a cube or a box that you walk into and they have a full projection on the wall in front of you and a projection on the floor underneath you as well. Uh, and then the sensors will monitor your movement. So if you're running and jumping and then the picture moves accordingly and it really feels like you are actually in the game. And I went, wow, that's pretty good. But when I said it to you, you went, yeah, I've seen that before. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, IADT have um, a facility and I think it's just called a cube. And uh, they, they had projector. Now it was clumsy to set up mm. and it required a big room and an awful lot of cooling uh, when I was there which was uh, a couple of years ago now at this stage um, so yeah it um, it has been done but not in a very convenient way so if they're getting over that hurdle then it will certainly be an interesting thing to see but maybe the applications aren't in the, uh, won't be in the mm. home it'll be more in academia or game development that sort of thing Something else that I thought was quite interesting. Um, we were talking about the Windows 10 Creators update that will be coming uh, this spring. And Lenovo have released a virtual reality headset um, sort of in the in the shadow of this, this big release. And they reckon they can do a, a full VR experience for just under $400. Wow. Now that's, you know, that's not phone in the visor kind of thing. That's hook up your headset to your PC um, and away you go. And they will be looking at things like, you know, turning flat images into 3D images, that kind of thing. Mm. Um, so uh, n- not so much a gaming product, but more a sort of a creation slash workspace kind of kind of a product. So that's that's interesting. It's kind of interesting how they seem to have the technology there. Like, I mean, the, a lot of the t- there were a lot of TVs on display and they're thinner and they're bigger and they're 4K and they're curved and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but particularly when it comes to 4K, I was thinking there's not very much 4K content actually out in the world, though there appears to be lots of 4K televisions. <laughs> there are. There's also lots of 4K cameras Uh as well. So I, this could be a case of user generated content overtaking scripted drama as a way to bring people into 4K. But here's an interesting development that um, LG and I think Samsung um, have uh, come upon. Apparently, uh, 4K OLED displays are quite expensive to make and the demand isn't there for them yet. Mm. So they've turned to a technology called Quantum Dots or quantum dot uh, and they're getting quite similar results at I wouldn't say a fraction of the price but certainly cheaper so I think um, you know quantum dot might become the next uh, OLED uh, depending on what demand is like of course but it's just uh, it's interesting to know that there are alternatives out there well, if, I, I if you really say, go looking for them I have OLED on uh, on my phone and I absolutely love it and I think it beats the pants off anything else and I hate it when you say it does something similar for cheaper <laughs> it's like uh oh <laughs> uh oh um, listen tell okay. me about uh, laptops were you impressed with uh, the range of laptops that were uh, on display in CES this year um, okay uh, the news behind laptops sort of uh, happens in the 
the engine room really this year. AMD have released their Ryzen um, processors uh, and Intel uh, showed off their KB Lake processors. So for me, this is sort of leaning towards the premium slash gaming end of the spectrum. Mm. But you also have to look at that in the context of, of VR about to go mainstream. So, you know, the market might seem to be releasing more boutique uh, computers, more gaming laptops, but these are the devices that you will be hooking up your Vive to, that you will be hooking up your Oculus Rift to. So I think we're going to see more gaming PCs on the market, but not necessarily gamers buying them. Uh, so Samsung uh, re-entered the gaming market with its Odyssey. Um, Lenovo showed off its Y series. Uh, HP showed off the Omen. Dell has uh, a few new Alienware models. Um so yeah these ranges are expanding um and not necessarily with gamers in mind even though they're gaming laptops wow all right well there was two trends that i saw in laptops and one was that they are making a lot more get laptops for gamers all right but like you know, i kind of think well why would they do that because if you're a gamer you would want to have a bigger rig is what i would have thought the mm-hmm. um the other trend that i saw in laptops at ces this year is that you know they're more powerful um and they're thinner as you would expect but there's a lot of two-in-one laptops where you can flip over the screen and use it as a tablet. Yeah, a trend that sort of crept in mm. over the last few years. Um, even, you know, devices that you think, I really don't need this because I don't like the way Windows 10 implements itself mm. on tablet devices. I think uh, iOS and Android deliver a, a superior experience and I think Microsoft is just making work for itself um, by doing this. Um, yeah, fair enough. But I mean, the next laptop that I go to buy, it's not going to replace my iPad. Um, it's just going to be um, it's just going to be a laptop because that's what I wanted for. Okay, I'm making a mental note uh, for Christmas 2017 to listen back to this program. <laughs> Niles going, oh, I've just got a laptop. It's brilliant. It flips over and it's like a tablet. I love it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think the big story, though, that everybody agrees that is coming out of uh, CES this year is Amazon Echo, uh, which has been a surprise hit for Amazon, but not just what Amazon are doing with it, but because they've made it available to other manufacturers. Amazon Echo is being built in now to other devices, quite a lot of devices. Yeah, well, just to differentiate, Echo is the device Amazon released and Alexa Mm. is the um, personal assistant that it comes bundled with. Yes. So you're going to see an awful lot of devices that are powered by Alexa. Um, more so than Google now, I guess just because Alexa maybe has just a bit more personality to it. But we're seeing things like um, Lenovo has a, an Echo-like device that will be going into uh, people's homes. There has been a robot directed by UB Tech, um, developed by UB Tech called the Lynx, um, which is you know quite a quite a standard, happy, friendly looking robot. Stands on your on your desk and, and says nice things to you. Um, there, there are also cars going to be using it as well. Um, Ford showed off a prototype um, that was using uh, Alexa and uh, Huawei actually showed off a a new phone the uh, Mate 9 that will be using Alexa as well so that you know in place of Google now which I think is a very interesting Mm. choice so yeah we're starting to see Alexa pop up in a lot of devices Uh, did I mention LG's fridge will have Alexa yeah, WebOS and Alexa. So there's there's an interesting conversation. See, we're back into the wacky in the wild end of CES there when you say that. <laughs> anyway, listen, there is so much to cover at CES. We've just had the previews over the last couple of days and that's what Niall and myself have been talking about. The actual show opens over the weekend and we'll have full coverage on our website at techcentral.ie. <laughs> 
This is Tech Central, your weekly tech podcast from Ireland's techcentral.ie. Well, after all our talk about CES and Alexa and interacting with uh, technology, how good is cognitive IoT, the Internet of Things, and how it deals with you. Uh, during the week, uh, Niall went out and had a very interesting chat with a guy called Barry Smith in UCD about the very said same subject. Today, I'm speaking with Professor Barry Smith from the School of Computer Science in UCD, who is also founding director of the Insight Centre for Data Analytics. And specifically today, we want to talk about um, what's referred to as the augmented human, and we'll, we'll get into sort of the the real meat and potatoes of that now. So, so Barry, uh, when people sort of when people think of the augmented human, we go to the science fiction idea of you know we're replacing limbs, where we've got personal assistance in our heads, where we've got you know we're we're exceeding our physical boundaries, and the idea of augmenting ourselves when it comes to say artificial intelligence, it's not really there. We have this view that AI is going to be on one side of the the fence and human intelligence is going to be on the other and that's how it's going to be but you you take a very different view yeah i think it's useful maybe to to wind the clock back a few years because we're already living as augmented humans in one sense at least in the sense that i, I talk about it you know we're all now uh, very comfortable with having access to all of the world's information at our fingertips you know, not long ago, we didn't have that. And, and that is right now, uh, for good or for bad, helping us make different decisions, hopefully helping us to make better decisions. But I think what we'll see in the future is now that AI technologies are maturing and scaling quite effectively for our everyday needs, I think we'll see more and more of these technologies being brought to bear on the everyday decisions that we need to make so that we have smart advisors helping us to understand the choices that we're facing, hopefully helping us to understand the pros and cons of those choices, and in the end, helping us to make better decisions about how we live our lives. And when we look at that, uh, particularly how this translates to the the world of the Internet of Things, which is pretty much where we're we're going to get all the raw raw material for uh, AI anyway, um, we know about the components of sort of the importance of the network, the importance of sensors, but what kind of information are we going to need from sensors in order to get really useful applications not not now but in the future as well well i think it's useful to think about the different areas that will probably be influenced and and one of the go-to areas that people get to quite quickly is healthcare. you know so i think we would all agree that under the right circumstances it would be great not only if we were able to live a little longer but if our quality of life was to improve during our later years Uh, And there's real optimism around the idea now that the sort of wearable sensors and the data that we're now able to generate and collect can in the future, under the right circumstances, have a big impact on uh, healthy living, um, on helping doctors to diagnose our illnesses, helping them to treat us with the right drugs and the right therapies in a much more personalised way. 
um, helping us to live healthier lives, you know, by providing us with the right type of feedback, with the right sort of suggestions, and maybe making the right sort of nudges to make us help us to make better decisions about how we're living our lives. Now, all of that as well uh, falls under, there's a bit of a dark cloud when it comes to personal information and privacy. So the optimism that goes with that vision of the future goes hand in hand with us figuring out how we deal with the privacy implications. And we we don't have good solutions for that as yet. Yes, because when, when you're relying on sensors to gather so much intelligence uh, about how people live, I mean, there's tremendous ethical implications uh, as well that you have to know that whatever information you're handing over to the cloud or to a research project or whatever, that it's only going to be you put to one specific purpose mm. or that there will be no personally um, identifiable element to, to that information if it, if it gets leaked. And to what extent are we, are we seeing um, uh, studies becoming much more hip to the sensitivities around personal data? I think it is happening. You know, uh, without a shadow of a doubt, the discussion around privacy and personal data has matured and at least people are starting to ask the right questions, um, if not come up with uh, fully formed answers. What people are beginning to realise now is that um, we're living our lives online, availing of these free services, and the payment for those services are essentially the bits and bytes of our personalities that we're leaking through our usage. And they're not just used for one thing. Uh, they can be used for many different purposes. Today it might be advertising, but tomorrow it might be a different purpose. And we're all a little concerned, and some of us very concerned, that fragments of our personal lives are living on servers distributed around the world. Around the world. And we don't know how they will be used in the future. And I think what will happen is that we'll come to benefit from greater control over our personal data. I certainly would subscribe to a solution that would allow us to properly control our own data and for us to decide and be able to decide who gets access to what information and under what conditions. And I can choose then whether I want to share my data with a particular service because I want to enjoy what it offers for free or whether I'm not going to share my data with that service and maybe if I want to use that service I have to pay and there's a subscription model. So they're the choices that I think we will be facing in the future. Yeah, I, I've seen one very interesting um, project that brings, it's designed as sort of a personal healthcare management system, but uh, it brings together sort of your medical records, it brings together whatever medication you're on, your um, next of kin, all into one interface, but it also added in things like um, a scan of your recent text messages or your social media profile uh, to sort of guess what sort of temperament you have, whether you're likely to, to be uh, medically compliant, that yeah. sort of thing. These are insights that you wouldn't necessarily put together. I mean, you wouldn't immediately think my Twitter feed could be a really good... Um, uh, predictor of whether I'm going to be, uh, whether I'm going to adhere to a diet, for example. Is it kind of strange the, the sort of disparate elements we're seeing c come together that actually provide 
insights into how people will behave in completely different areas. It, it is strange at first glance, but then when you think about it, you realise that we declare so much about ourselves in the messages that we leave online. So it's not surprising that now that we have technologies that are able to bring together and consolidate and make sense of some of that information, that it can be used for these purposes. And there's also uh, real science behind some of these predictions in the sense, for, for instance, that understanding how sociable we are or whether that changes suddenly in our lives, that could be an indicator that there is something else going on. You know, when we think about those sorts of things, there is a, a logic to it. Um, so I, I think that that's, that's exciting. It's also worrying because right now, as I said, we don't have control of that data and we don't precisely know how and when it will be used. And when we talk about sort of the predictive power of data, uh, one of my personal bugbears is that it, it assumes that data is being collected to a, to a gold standard, if you will, that the information that we're getting is reliable, that it's being properly collected. Um, when you're dealing with sensors, when you're dealing with wearable devices, there's always the, uh, the, the occasion where you don't put it on right or something is faulty, that sort of thing. Uh, to what extent are we seeing that become a problem in research studies? You know, are there certain devices that are off limits because you know that the information you're not going, won't be as accurate as you need. I think it depends on how you want to use the data and obviously for very specific applications, particularly in medical applications, you need very precise readings and an imprecise reading won't do the job. Um, that being said, there are many other applications and even in the healthcare space where even the noisy data of wearables can work well. There's been a number of um, well-featured examples of how people's lives have, if not saved, then um, improved significantly due to the fact they were wearing wearables. I, I recall reading once about someone who presented themselves at an E&R and they were having uh, a, a, a cardiac event, some sort of heart attack. But because they had been wearing their Fitbit or their Garmin, uh, the doctors were able to have, a, in the ER, were able to have a look at their heart rate over the last 30 minutes or 60 minutes. And because they saw that, they were able to diagnose what had happened re well enough to pick a treatment. Without that, they may have had to treat the patient um, more aggressively, and that would have led to a much longer stay in the hospital. So, you know, there's an example where even the noisy, unreliable clinically uh, data can still help to, to make informed decisions and better choices. And uh, once these uh, devices are collecting all this information from us, be it, you know, our sleeping habits, be it, you know, when we, when we go out for a run and, you know, measuring our blood pressure, this sort of thing, it's, it's almost, it's still passive in the sense that all the interpretation is still down to, you know, the doctor, the user, etc. at the other end of the line. When it comes to the augmented human, how is AI going to interfere, well, I don't say interfere, but enhance the capabilities of these apps? Yeah, so, so right now today, most people will be familiar using some sort of apps to maybe track their exercise. And what you tend to get is a report of the exercise you've done, maybe how far you've run and the speed you ran at. And the question then is, how will that change to tell you about how you should run tomorrow or the next week? 
Uh, and this is where AI technology can really come to bear on the problem. To, to look at the historical data, look at the context data as well, because you know your current context is really important, and start to integrate these different sources of data and really make suggestions and the right sort of suggestions about, for instance, how you might want to tra- tra- change your training program, or maybe it's time for a break because you've been overtraining and you're risking injury. You know, so those sorts of suggestions is if you had a, a coach working with you, they'd be the sort of suggestions your coach would make. So rather than following very regimented static plans, uh, those plans will adapt for our changing circumstances and our needs. And I think that's when, uh, if it's done in the right way, you can start to really encourage people to develop positive habits and really change their behavior for the good long term. And just looking into a, a trend that we're going to see with the um, personal assistant or the virtual personal assistant that's coming now, uh, particularly with Siri, Cortana, uh, Google Now as well, is that component going to be an important part of augmented intelligence or do you think people will, prepare, will still prefer to engage with an app as an app? instead of the person over your shoulder? I think the intelligent assistant is the new interface. Um, I think we'll always have the traditional app interface if we want it, but more and more we will interact with voice uh, and it'll be a combination of voice that we, we listen to as well as maybe visuals as well on the screen. But I think those intelligence assistants are a signal of where the interface of the future will go. So when we have our running app, we will actually have a drill sergeant beside us. Yeah, and we do. You know, you can already get apps that, that will do that. They'll tell you, pick up the pace. You were running faster than this yesterday. We want to do that a bit smarter and a bit more constructively for the user. And that was Niall Kitson talking to Barry Smith in UCD about the cognitive internet of things. Just before we go, Niall is still with us. Niall, what's our one more thing, the one story online we just couldn't squeeze into our show today? Yeah, one of the other big items on CES this week was that there's an awful lot of very interesting concept cars from the likes of Fiat Chrysler, Toyota uh, and even NVIDIA and Audi working together. So for more on that, you know where to go. Yes, you can get more on that and all of the Irish tech news with hourly updates, daily newsletters and a lot more from techcentral.ie. That's our website as well as our weekly tech radio show online and every Friday at 6 on DAB Digital Radio with RTE Radio 1 Extra. Thank you so much for listening. Until next weekend, from myself, Dusty Rhodes and from Niall Kitson at Tech Central HQ, take care. Get Tech Radio. Subscribe for free with iTunes or download on demand at techcentral.ie. Tech Radio is produced by DigitalAudioProductions.com. Tech Central.